Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by the Internet's foremost That's So Raven historian, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Folks, I've been to that mountaintop. I have seen the insides of Disney Plus. I have, I have, I have seen all the various uh, Star Wars properties. I have seen the various uh, celebrated movies: Sister Act, Mighty Ducks one and two, uh, Kazam, uh, Hamilton, etc. That are of offer, and yet uh, my wife's first choice when watching. With her new Disney Plus access was Raven Simone and Kyle Massey, aka Little Brother Corey, aka That's So Raven. And it's it's uh, there's a lot to choose from it. And as somebody who the first thing he watched on HBO Max was The Fresh Prince, I get it, right? Like I get it's just like I I need some I need some comfy sweatpants to put on. Like I need something that's just ease into things. Okay, I, I like it when you put it that way. That that is that is actually very fair. I see I'm the guy who I don't hate um spending a good forty five minutes to an hour the first time I get access like that to really building out my library and my list of things that I want to see, exploring the depths of what's you know, I get the analysis paralysis. I love making lists, I love doing a little research. Like that to me isn't a bad time. My wife despises that. The like loading screen and choosing option. Like she wants when we're like, all right, we're three episodes away from this show. What's the next show? Get it queued up, do the research. Like she wants to go. I like a little time to marinate in it, you know? So um, I don't know which one of us is necessarily right. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I've been building out the, the Disney Plus uh, library that we will be watching. But uh, she dove head first. First thing she saw that, that spoke to her on a deep level and listening to her uh, cackle. Um, that is still apparently her, her humor. So uh, I get it. It was a good choice for her. And and as as a watchlist builder, I'm with you, and I would I would say you're right. Uh, even though your wife is probably listening to this and only this podcast uh, for 2020, and not like this podcast in and of itself, but this episode of the podcast, um, I'm still comfortable with saying that that we ha- you have to have a plan, right? You have to have a plan. Like like we have to have a list. We have to know what's available. I have to prioritize. I have to get my watch list in order. I need to know what I'm getting myself into. You do, Gerald, and 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 I I I I will say there is a there is a danger to it, right? As someone who um you know spent uh, let's say conservatively, right? It's it's quarantine. Time is relevant. Let's say conservatively six to eight hours researching various um, stand-up fans. Uh, I believe you call these tower fans to get the best one to cool my house. Um, and, and, and you know, went on various fan-reviewing sites, which those exist. There are sites that specifically... For review- fan fans? 
<laughs> Touche. That is uh, good. I, if that's not registered, I am click, 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 uh, registering a domain right now. I'm going to get all the corner of that market of all 25 uh, views a, a week. But anyways, the, it's, I, I have spent that much time. Now, do I have the most amazing Lasco portable electric 42-inch oscillating tower fan with nighttime setting timer remote control for indoor bedroom and home office use silver? Um, yes, that's my specific Amazon order, guys. That's the one. You should get it because it's amazing. It'll cool down even your largest room in your house immediately, five degrees, just turning it on. It is the perfect tower fan. Lasco, hit us up uh, if you'd like to sponsor this podcast. But that is to say, I spent way too much time figuring that out. Did I get the right choice because of it? Of course. But could I have probably done that in like 15 minutes of research? Probably. Probably. Uh... I don't know what to say other than one, send me that link, and two, set up Amazon Smile on your uh, on your app. Yeah. You can do it from the app now. So get your little charitable donation because you're sh- you're buying everything on Amazon anyway. So we are 44 days away from, I guess, hopefully, prayerfully, thoughtfully, uh, maybe naively, what we're going to see a football season. Uh, so we're marching through our season preview, uh, and we are uh, we have the privilege of having our friend Kendall Cout from our Daily Bears. Man, Kendall, how are you doing today, brother? Uh, doing pretty well. Um, making it, so I guess that's good for me, uh, Gerald and Kyle. So I'm, I'm happy to be on the show, though. We are happy to have you. I always like to get my caveat out at the beginning of a Baylor episode that I'm married to a Baylor Bear, and so I will go relatively easy for my own sanity because I think she only listens to like one podcast a year that I do, and it's when I talk about Baylor. So, um, <laughs> so what the, the, I guess the biggest story around Baylor is, uh, you know, Matt rule capitalizing on, you know, one of the best seasons in the last, I don't know, for as long as I could remember from Baylor, a, I uh, took Baylor from one in 13 to 11 and three or what one in, not one in 13, but one in one in 11 is the, the number that I needed one in 11 to 11 and three in two years. But he's now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. He leveraged that into a NFL job. So uh, Dave Aranda is taking over former LSU coach. So um, there's some talent at Baylor, but Baylor also has some reloading to do in some spots. So like, what are the expect if, if college football happens again, big asterisk, if college football happens this year, like what are the expectations uh, for Dave Aranda taking over for Baylor? The good thing about having a 1-11 season recently, Gerald, is that you can remember everything that it was when Baylor struggled like that. And so even though that should set the expectation that if you're the first-year head coach, even if you're coming off of a pretty good team, you might have a pretty disastrous next team. I can tell you right now that if we have a season and Baylor plays 9, 10, 12 games, and they go 1-11 or 2-10 or 3-9, the same people that are telling you right now that it's year one, they're okay, they understand, will be the same people on Twitter freaking out saying, Miranda, what are we doing with this guy? This guy's just, oh, a quiet ninja. I need somebody who's a little bit more crazy out there. Um, But I think if you look at it objectively, I would say a 500-ish record would be good in year one. A lot of talent lost from the previous season, new system. And to me, I can't blame a guy if he has a bad year one and he has had no time to install a system. So for all the talk Matt Rule had about year zero, and I was always a pretty big Matt Rule fan, but I thought the truest thing you could ever say about Matt Rule is that as great as it was to go from 1-11 to 11-1, that first-year team should never have gone 1-11. Um, I think I've said it before on this podcast, but literally the dream of Liberty University is to become Baylor. 
only slightly crazier on the right of spec, right of center. Um, it was going to be a more conservative kind of crazier Baylor is kind of the character of even Liberty at its best day. And I don't mean that as an insult to Liberty or American conservatism. I just mean that like truly at its core, Liberty would even admit we just want to be a little bit crazier and a little bit more conservative Baylor. And when Baylor lost to Liberty in football, it was like, no, that can't happen. And so that's why for the Matt Rule era, it was like they never should have lost to Liberty. You never should lose to UTSA. Roadrunner's a fine mascot, but come on, that shouldn't happen. And so I look at this Baylor season. If they play conference football, you can't lose to Kansas, and then you got to win at least one other game. And they do that. I'm not going to be that upset because I think it's very unrealistic to have any expectations when new coach, lots of roster turnover, and it's a crazy year. Well, and that's, you know, it's perfectly fine. I think that I won't say this is necessarily a benefit for him when they meet on the field, but uh, Dave Aranda has an incredible pedigree and included in that is it seems like he's pretty good friends with, uh, with Tom Herman, which is, which is great. So maybe it will be a, a friendliest arrival. you go. I don't think you'll go easy on him in year one. Um, but, but I'll say this, um, each team is, rec- is, is returning in this uh, game when they meet this year, a senior quarterback with uh, a lot already accomplished and a lot still to prove. So Charlie Brewer, I don't know uh, if Texas fans are familiar with him because, you know, I don't know if you heard Texas didn't offer, um, but uh, from Austin, Texas, um, has nearly 30 starts under his uh, belt at this point, brings some leadership, um, and, and, and will play under a, a name familiar in Austin, Larry Fedora, the new offensive coordinator. So for Charlie Brewer at the starting right at the top, what are your expectations of him, even if things are changing around him? Right. Um, that's a great question, Kyle. And, I know Ian Boyd is familiar in the Texas kind of lexicon and the Texas sphere. And I, I disagree with Ian about a lot of stuff, but one thing I agree with him about um, here is he's very correct that when Charlie Brewer is healthy, I think he's got a case to be the big best or second best quarterback. But when he's a little banged up, you kind of recognize why it wasn't crazy for Texas not to offer the man because his arm strength is not the best. And when Charlie Brewer loses about 10% of who he is, he suddenly becomes a very mediocre quarterback. And so at the end of the season, you watch that first half of the Oklahoma game, and it's a, I, I'm kind of trolling myself by even answering this way, but when Baylor gets up 28-3, he looks unstoppable. He's mobile. He can move. I mean, he looks like a little bit weaker arm strength Sam Ellinger to use the Texas quarterback as comparison. And I think he's just as good as Sam is when he's healthy. The problem is that Charlie Brewer is not a real big guy. He's been hurt the last two seasons, so that's really the question. You tell me Charlie Brewer plays all of Baylor's games, or maybe he only misses a game or two because of COVID, not wishing that on him. You tell me he has an injury or an illness like that. I'm feeling pretty good about his full campaign. So if Brewer is healthy, I say he's right up there um, with Sam and Spencer Rattler. I'm just going to say off the cuff is the Big 12's best quarterback, having seen him throw four passes just with Lincoln Riley and his recruiting pedigree. He's the Big 12's best quarterback. And then I think Ellinger and Brewer are 1A, 1B after that. And so only question for me is if he's healthy, he's right there ready to contend um, to be the Big 12's second-team quarterback. If he's not healthy, then it gets a little bit more interesting for Baylor um, under center. And I think that, that's that's fair. Like the the big the Big Twelve is a quarterback league. Like let's just be really like Big Twelve produces quarterbacks if nothing else. And so one of the one of the things that helps your quarterbacks out is a uh, are some receiving threats. And, and Charlie Brewer has lost. I will go ahead and say it. This was a it was an argument across. I think Denzel Mims is easily one of the best receiving threats in the country from a year ago. I think there's no argument there. There's a reason why he's now with the New York Jets. Uh, but Baylor does return a pair of juniors in Tyquan Thornton and R.J. Sneed. Texas fans. 
I think still may have some some cold sweats about some things Tyquan Thornton has done. But as you as you look at that duo, what's the expectation for those two? And then is there because it, it feels like this offense usually has like a third guy that's that's stepping up and kind of is is the 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 glue man for the the unit. I think you're right on there, Gerald. Certainly, um, Thornton and Fleeks, um, Josh Fleeks would seem to be kind of a duo that could be really good for Baylor. The wide receiver core has a lot of depth. Um, who steps up there, I think, is a little bit more of a question. Tyquan Thornton, absolutely, will be 1,000 yards, maybe prorated for however many games we play. Absolute stud, unstoppable guy. Even without Denzel Mims, I think he'll step right up and be a dominant player. Kind of the question is how well does that offensive line give them time for Brewer? And company to find them, but I still feel like with Fedora, a little bit better offensive coordinator than maybe um, Baylor had been with Jeff Nixon, because I think he can scheme a little bit more with a more limited offensive line. I think they'll have a good season with the wide receiver core, and I think you kind of nailed that area of the field for Baylor, uh, Gerald. And so, I mean, uh, keeping on the offensive side of the ball, outside of the guys who catch it, um, Baylor uh, also is looking to replace, I think, Gerald and I agree, one of the uh, most fitting names in, in or most apt names in uh in college football this past year with uh, jamichael hasty uh you want a running back who's hasty uh but they do return the other half of kind of their one-two punch and john lovett does uh the senior step right in and become a a one-man show where he's getting all the carries or is there someone else uh texas fans should be uh keeping an eye on i think it'll be by committee um kyle so they had preston ebner who's a really good um Receiving back in the Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma, the Bears got down 14. Um, they had to bring in their third-string quarterback, Jacob Zeno. He hit Ebner on kind of a just quick strike. He took it to the house. Really good speed there. Um, they also have um, Craig Squirrel Williams, who's been injured a little bit the last year. Super fast guy. So I think Baylor is very good at the skilled positions. It's just kind of a question about how well does that offensive line do blocking-wise, and then there's some real issues maybe with the defense with so much turnover. So, well, they, you mentioned the offensive line a couple of times, so let's just go ahead and, and grab that segue. Like, Baylor, I believe, was last in the conference a year ago in sacks allowed, um, or maybe it was past two years, I'm not sure. But when you look at the Baylor offensive line, like, they have to improve this year if, if the offense is going to be successful. So, like, what are, you, what are you looking for, or who can step in and kind of help stop the, the struggles that Baylor has had along that front? I think there are kind of two factors that would happen there, um, Gerald. The first is that Baylor tried to redshirt um, a guy named Xavier Newman last season, ended up not even getting to redshirt him because the line got so bad. They just said, sorry, we got to play you five games. So then getting a full 12 out of him would be very good. Connor Galvin is probably also Baylor's best uh, lineman in place left tackle. He missed a little bit of last season with an injury and then was a little bit banged up still in the Oklahoma game in Waco. So you get that duo healthy for a full season, I think it helps the line. Then the second thing is that, Charlie Brewer is a dude who does not like to give up on plays. And I think that Larry Fedora and one more year of yet another face telling him, listen, man, you know, sometimes you got to take the $10 play and not worry about the $100 play would really help out Brewer because Brewer plays like a man who has all the time in the world with Baylor's offensive line. Sometimes time is not money. I, I actually really like that. Uh, putting, putting, putting that spin on it. So let's, um, let's move over to the other side of the ball. We've touched on the offense. Um, we, we know that, the Bears graduate six of their top seven defensive uh, performers from last season, um, and, and that includes a uh, a big monster, nasty redhead in the middle who uh, who gave Texas havoc in James Lynch. Um, kind of always reminded me of like the the mean big brother on Pete 
compete. But uh, what does uh, <laughs> what does the rebuild look like defensively for Baylor, and who steps up to join? I believe uh, Terrell Bernard, um, the kind of top returner in that in that effort. Right. So certainly, as you've identified, Kyle Terrell Bernard is Baylor's best defensive player. Uh, he only started about half the games for the Bears last season because Clay Johnston, who ended up getting drafted um, this last year, got hurt about halfway through the season. So Bernard stepped up, dominant player there. But that defensive line um, might have been the Big 12's best position group last season between James Lynch, as you've identified, who was the Big 12's defensive player of the year, Ravion Roy, who was an NFL draft pick, and then James Lockhart. Um, that kind of defensive line allowed Baylor to just rush three guys all the time, and they could drop six or seven guys back and still have a pretty good defense and still get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. I think the Aranda system this season will have a lot more linebacker um, pressures. They've got a guy coming in from Arkansas State who I think had eight and a half sacks the year before um, with the controversy that happened in Iowa with Iowa's coaching staff appearing to um, be, um, at best, very racially insensitive, at worst, very racist. Um, They have uh, Matt Jones coming on, whose father was the strength coach in Iowa, I have no idea if what he knew or when he knew it to ask the, you know, old Watergate question about him, but I think he's going to be a pretty good linebacker as well. So linebacker was sometimes a weakness last year for Baylor, minus Terrell Bernard. They also have a guy named Jalen Petrie, who was the only signee who stuck with Baylor once the Bryles regime fell apart. So the linebacker court could be pretty solid. The issue is going to be that defensive line is not going to get nearly the pressure they got last season. And they're not going to get nearly the pressure if they play three down fronts. So, so that leads us to, I think, our, our last football-related question. So you mentioned a couple of different areas that you're, you're kind of keeping your eye on for Baylor that, that could potentially be trouble spots. But if, you, if, if we're at the end of whatever this football season looks like and you brand Baylor's year as a success, like what does that look like? What, where do they excel? Like what, what do they lean into? One, what is success? And two, like what, what gets them there? I think for me, Gerald, and that's a fair question, I think – Success to me um, implies that they don't get blown out more than one game. And it implies probably that the defense looks really good despite having some major holes on it. So you start thinking that your random system works. I think that is success for me. I do not think that for me success this year is they only lose one or two big 12 games. They make it to the big 12 championship game. That happens. Absolutely. That's a success. And I think you can make the case that you squint and you say, is Oklahoma quite as dominant this season as they've been? And if they're not, can you maybe steal a win against the Sooners? I never believe in Iowa State. I just don't believe in them ever. I don't believe in the Iowa caucus. I don't believe in their <laughs> city. I don't believe in anything about Iowa. I believe in <laughs> about Iowa State any year. Basketball, football, academics, culture, people. I have no opinion of them. And I know that everybody's going to say, oh, Iowa State's so great this year. I hear about Iowa State every year and every sport and every time, and it never materializes. Do not buy the Iowa State hype. That's the only takeaway you get from the Baylor podcast you all host. <laughs> so, but a long way of saying success for me, don't lose to Kansas. Don't get embarrassed more than once and then make it seem like guys are buying in. This is not the football season for Baylor. This is a, for the love of God, can we please get a basketball season in? Because Baylor basketball is going to be next level again. Baylor football is just, you know what? I don't want anybody to die of the virus. I'm not quite as worried about football, but if basketball season gets around, we don't have a vaccine. I might be shouting out. Maybe we have to learn to learn with the virus a little bit more. <laughs> basketball season. Uh, they've learned to play basketball in a bubble, but that's a time for another podcast because I do think uh, I actually intentionally changed my background from basketball because I told Gerald I didn't want to have to talk <laughs> Baylor basketball on this podcast because y'all are having some good momentum, and that's that's never good for the rest of the Big Twelve. But 
let's put a cap in it there and move a little bit off. We already started with some basketball talk, but the traditional um, questions. We know uh, we you've been on this podcast before that we like to give, you know, kind of a lightning round. We've been calling it this year, Hook Them. Gerald hates that name. I have to say it every week. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I named it my mea culpa. Uh, but here we are. So I'm going to start you with the uh, with the first question this week. All right, Kendall, are you ready? Absolutely. All right. So um, as you mentioned, we don't necessarily have a vaccine right now. We are, uh, most of us kind of self-quarantining uh, or staying in our home more than we have before. So if I had to make you pick just one of these two things to listen uh, to, for the remainder of your time locked in, uh, unable to go out on your regular schedule. So let's just say weeks, maybe months. Uh, which of these would you choose to listen to ad nauseum on repeat? And because I like you, I'm going to give you some Baylor alums here to choose from. First choice is Angela Kinsey uh, scenes from The Office, but only her scenes with her talking and none of the other fun stuff from The Office. Number two uh, choice is all of Jeff Dunham's puppet stand-ups. So that's, I think, self-explanatory. Um, and uh, and a wonderful uh, number three is Fixer Upper, um, but only uh, only the scenes where Shiplap is present in it. Um, so Jeff Dunham, easy elimination. Uh, <laughs> not funny. Um, so then you're down to just, I would take the office scenes probably. I do think that the fixer upper, you would still have 90% of it. So huge uh, But I think eventually I would just start getting mad. Like, I'm not going to get a house. I, I don't want to do this. So it's a good question, but I go with the office. Fair enough. See, that seems like the easy answer. Okay, so I am I, – I'm painfully close to being able to pull this off for the entire season. I am now eight for eight. So I've been doing this thing where I've been finding a loose connection to the school they were interviewing in professional wrestling and the WCW tag team disorderly conduct. They didn't last very long, but featured mean Mike and tough Tom who were both from Waco, Texas. Right? So, barely got there, but we got there. So, if there was one Baylor player, I say all that to ask this question. There was one Baylor player that ended up in professional wrestling, who would it be and what would their ring name be? Um, so, you're talking like all-time Baylor football player? We'll, we'll give, we'll, we can give you all-time. If you can't think of one for the current team, recent I'll memory. Um, I'll go current team. Um, I'll say it'll be... Terrell Bernard, um, just because he's kind of a – he's just so dominant. It doesn't have to be him. Um, Sean Oakman, because he was the meme for all those years, is kind of a nice choice otherwise, too. <laughs> fair. Fair. Uh, there's few people in the world I would much uh, – I would, I would not want to get clotheslined uh, by before the Sean Oakman appears on that list. He's, he's, he's very high up there. Um, so we'll, we'll take it to, you know, a little, little – um, a little lighter fare, kick it with some tradition, some old school. Texas way back when used to have a homecoming game. We do not have a homecoming anymore. My wife always points that out to me. She thinks it's weird. Um, I think it's weird that they have it at a college level because I did that in high school. But I'm going to ask you, Baylor does have a homecoming. So for you, Kendall, it can't be that easy of a question. What is your hottest homecoming take? And I can give you a, a if you need, I can guide this question slightly. And I, I don't think I need it. Um, okay. I guess what I would go with is that, like, any homecoming parade is trash. <laughs> um, like, 
I just think all parades pretty much are bad. Like, you got to get there early. You don't have a chair. You do have a chair. You're that guy that brought a chair to the parade. <laughs> chair guy at parade. You're sitting for a long time to wave at people. And I, just, I, I want no part of this. I don't want to make somebody have to make a wave motion for three hours to see me. You never have good floats. Then somebody gets a political float, and then half the people are booing, and the other half aren't booing, and you risk a fight breaking out in parade waiting time. There's nothing good about it. And so Baylor's got the homecoming parade, and I remember being a freshman, and it went right by the dorm, and I might have been um, you know, a little bit, um, let's say, tired in the morning and suffering from symptoms of alcohol withdrawal. <laughs> and I was not prepared for a homecoming parade to make that suffering really bad at 18. Um, so not good for anybody. That's, that's for her. Actually, that was, that was her, her guidance when she, she was talking about it was, you know, she didn't go as far in the parades, but that uh, if they, if they did it that early, it, it would never be fun. Um, I will say I've been watching Treme and parades outside of New Orleans should not happen. Yes. Well, <laughs> Another conversation. So last question. Um, Joanna Gaines, we have to have multiple Magnolia, Chip, and Joanna questions uh, because we're jerks like that. But Joanna Gaines has said that the signature scent of her home that kind of sets the mood for people that come in is fresh linen. She has fresh linen, candles, and scents, and that's, that's the mood for the, the Gaines household. So if you had to pick a signature scent for your home that when somebody walks in that tells them what you're all about, what would that scent be? Um, so you mean it has to be like an actual smell or can it be like an item that... I'm giving you free rent. Free you, you, yeah. you paint. You paint whatever you want with this. <laughs> All right. So kind of the devastating thing for me is that I have a treadmill now in my apartment um, just because I was like, I knew I needed to lose some weight and I was like, I'm not going to actually go to the gym and walk on the treadmill. So I got the treadmill. So I bring some you know, nice lady over. Could be a mean lady too. I got that treadmill right when you walk in. And I'm already kind of a different cat. And so that's a tough aesthetic to balance. And so that probably explains why, you know, Gerald, you're waiting to have another child. And I am wondering, you know, am I going to get married in my 30s or might I have to wait to my 40s? <laughs> sits idly by. Uh, you know, a little fresh linen might change everything for you, Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> Take it from Joanna. No, so Kendall, man, if people want more of what you have to offer, brother, where can they find you on the internet? Sure. So you can follow me on Twitter. It's my name at K-E-N-D-A-L-L-K-A-U-T. And I started a newsletter where I write about the 2020 election from kind of a, not like Trump's evil or Trump's good. Um, you can probably figure out what I think about that. Um, follow me on Twitter for very long, but I kind of write about like who I think will win or kind of what's going on there. So if you want to read that too, they can. Um, it's on my Twitter. So that's a place to find me as well. Awesome. And we really appreciate you taking some time and, and have a, have a great, have a great season. If we actually have a season and um, right. enjoy that treadmill. Heck yeah. Thanks Gerald. Thanks Kyle. I appreciate it. Thanks again, man. All right. So now that we've talked Baylor, we shall cleanse this podcast with our, uh, our favorite segment of the week here where we talk uh, a little bit about as we sit on our butts on these couches and in our various chairs across the country, uh, much as we used to inside of the now uh, Campbell Williams stadium, looking at that giant screen, the Godzilla Tron. And we watch our favorite things. Gerald, what are you watching? 
so this one's not a watch. This one's a listen to. I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast, but uh, I'm a I'm a massive. I've talked about this. I'm a massive nerd, uh, and there's like a modern fantasy series that I'm into uh, called The Dresden Files. The new book came out this week. I'm an audiobook guy, and so uh, over the last seven days, I have basically shotgunned that audiobook, and it was good. Uh, there are a lot of nerds on the internet that are mad because, well, the guy wrote two books in one year, and so um, he, let me say that he wrote a book's worth of two books and they split it in half because an 800 page book is ridiculous. So they split it in half. People are mad about it. Um, but you know what? You're getting two books in a year and two books in 60 days. So like chill out. Uh, but what I've been watching, uh, one, the, I've argued it as the best and the second best Batman movie ever. Batman mask of the phantasm is on Netflix. And if you haven't seen it, um, it is a, it is a, a, kind of offshoot of the like 90s Batman animated series, which is easily some of the best Batman media that's out there, including somebody who I've argued is the best Joker, Mark Hamill. Um, and so it's, it's a really, it's a fat, it's like an hour and 15 minutes. Cause it's, you know, again, targeted at like middle schoolers, but it's some of the best Batman I've ever seen. So if you haven't seen this on Netflix and then like everything that's going on in, in pop culture right now, um, Hamilton is like everything. And so my wife and I watched it a couple weeks ago, whatever, whatever. Um, but this past week, I guess this last Friday on Hulu, a documentary popped up about the um, the 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 thing before the thing before Hamilton. So Lin Manuel Miranda and a couple of his frequent collaborators in like 2005 started the most. 2005 named uh, freestyle hip hop improv troupe uh, called Freestyle Love Supreme, which is the most 2005 <laughs> name ever. Uh, but they got back together at the end of 2019 slash beginning of 2020, for like a 15 year anniversary thing. And so they did a documentary uh, because somehow uh, somebody was doing a documentary on them in, o- in 2005 when they went to Edinburgh for like a comedy festival that never materialized. And so they took the footage, the same people took the footage from 2005 and then did a 15 years later and kind of back and forth it, which is actually really, really good. Cause like these, these are these like recently graduated college kids doing their first big thing. And then it's like 15 years later, Lynn Manuel Miranda is like one of the biggest names on the planet. Like he composed a Disney movie. So like just seeing that back and forth and seeing the, the people that he frequently collaborates with Chris Jackson, uh, who played like uh, George Washington in Hamilton. And he was in uh, another main major character in, in the Heights. So like just seeing this back and forth, um, it was really, really cool. It's a really well, well done documentary. Um, so if you're just a documentary person, and you don't care about Hamilton. It's still just a good documentary. Um, and Chris Jackson suffered from the thing that I suffered from in college. And Kyle, you can, you can attest to this in 05. I did this weird blending of multiple like styles where I would, where I would wear like a trucker hat and like big fake earrings. And he did the same thing in 2005. So if Chris Jackson can do it uh, and, and still be okay, then I can do it as well. Uh, he can do it and be okay, Gerald. You very much could not. Uh, your look was amazing because you would also throw that with like a pair of sweats, or um, or you would you would like take that. Ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. Or yeah, you would you would. I mean, I will say you had you had a fresh shoe game and you always rocked a good blazer. But sometimes the things that went in between those two pieces, um, you know, it was like a freestyle love supreme in the sense of a Taco Bell burrito supreme. Like sometimes the ingredients just d- didn't need to be together. No, you know. You're right. um, <laughs> anyways, 
Uh, I'll just say this. When you talked about all your nerd stuff, uh, you made uh, the Batman sound cool. But also when you talked about two books, it made me think about George R.R. R. Martin and that guy. To write two books in a year, that George R. R. Martin's been writing like two chapters a decade. So um, <laughs> nerds, don't be mad about that. It's it's cool to get more of your books if you've invested and are waiting um, on someone to write something before they die. But that's not specifically what I'm going to talk about. Um, I'm going to pick two i've watched a couple or listened to as well a couple um i might save those because i'd like to go maybe a little in depth further but i'll say this i watched um lennox hill which is on um netflix and it was purely my wife's suggestion not something i'd even heard of um but i don't know exactly when it came out uh but i do know they recently released um kind of an addendum episode um that put it back in the news cycle so let me start from the beginning lennox hill is a hospital um in new york city kind of in the in the heart of it um and uh it it follows these really incredible prestigious famous you know surgeons who left um other you know columbia's and in in you know more distinguished hospitals to come like practice in a hospital where you know like if you've ever watched any good uh, hospital drama or comedy, the first question you have to ask is, you know, do you have insurance, right? Two very different types of practicing medicine, but it's these really, um, you know, talented uh, doctors and surgeons who are trying to take that to the city of New York in an accessible way, which I think is very cool. Um, so it showed multiple episodes. It's kind of a behind the scenes. It's not a, it, it's almost reality show, but it's not, you know, anything other than than just kind of documenting a a real look in, and it's very interesting i mean if you're not um if you're queasy they have a lot of it's a lot of brain surgery um and you get a lot of just you know straight on brain shots with dudes cutting through stuff um and pulling out tumors and it's it's a lot um you know it's it's uh so you know you might want to look away or if that's not your your thing but i'll say all of this build-up it was a pretty good show and then they got to the end with this episode they released after and it happened to be a covid um 19 episode they basically were filming it um at the time when everything started in like um the u.s and in new york um and then they kind of were trying to figure out and scrambling to see what is this how bad is this and, and as it kind of you know crept up and and new york of course if you remember was the first city to really get inundated um and people from around the country nurses and stuff went to go um help out there but so it it was a really interesting show because you've already watched and seen how overloaded and overworked these doctors are and how like emotionally um spent they are at an end of a day and they're they're dealing with a lot of end of life decisions with people with brain surgery you know it's it's when you have cancer of the brain and stuff it's not always the you know, you don't hit a bad a thousand. It's just a tough job. So it's just these, you know, these people who are like dealing with really intense stuff already. And you see how overwhelmed and like how much it takes for them on a normal day pre a pandemic to decompress and like leave that. And, and, and then they throw that on top of it, just change the dynamic of all of these people. And it's all hands on deck. These people who are brain surgeons are now in the ICU just trying to help because they're shorthanded and they don't have enough beds and they're converting everything into COVID units. And it just gives like a kind of crazy, um, probably the, the, the closest thing to like a documentary we have. Cause I mean, it's still going on. Um, but, uh, if you don't watch any of it, just watch that one episode of Lennox Hill to kind of see, an hour's worth, I guess, of, of what doctors, nurses, hospital staff, the uh, the people who clean hospital rooms, right? They're incredibly, the in, uh, environmental staff are incredibly important right now, but just what they're going through. 
Um, and if you're having, if you're distant from this and you don't have anyone who's affected by it, um, and, and it's easy for you to downplay it because you haven't seen it, and seeing this might help you understand the reality, severity, and intensity of, of what is going on um, still to this day in, in, in Texas and other states, um, I would cannot strongly enough recommend just checking out that one episode of Lennox Hill. It's, it's quite um, quite eye-opening, and I mean, it's very real, so uh, check it out. Oh, and I will just, because that's heavy, the same reason it was heavy for us, um, we needed something where, like, what can we watch that's the lightest thing in the world to cleanse it? Guys, I also can't recommend highly enough. Supermarket Sweep is on Netflix, and man, it is great. It is a shot of nostalgia and unimportance and beautiful ridiculousness, and it is so fun, and it's worth, uh, even if you're not, like, I need to go back and rewatch things you know, I like to build and have completion and whatever. Just take 15 episodes that they give you and just plop in anywhere along and just enjoy the ride and turn your brain off. I love it. I love a good turn your brain off. Like that is what we need uh, in in a lot of different, a lot of different ways nowadays, Kyle. But that's all we've got for you this week. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carp, and You can also follow the Texas pregamer at Texas pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at G.H. Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can check me out on my other podcast where we do talk about nerdy stuff regularly to woke nerds. We're talking about uh, comic book storylines that you want to see adapted uh, into a movie if movies ever become a thing again. So, again, you can check me out on all the social medias at G.H. Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Choose an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook'em, follow me, at FanFan.